All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of Home and Commercial Services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're... you're you're doing it wrong. Like you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to obviously his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at Holland hcs.com you can look up holland home and commercial services on instagram for daily tips and more or you can check out their website hollandhcs.com we have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS, T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Or you can always call me and I'll cook for them. It's, it really, it's a it's a great way to love people. That journey started early in his beloved granny's kitchen. She was the one that, you know, was always cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She was a Southern belle. She made everything taste good, and I didn't always, sorry, Mom, get that at home. <laughs> but uh, granny taught me how to cook, and 
I've never looked back from that. James is a Fox 6 Good Day Alabama monthly contributor. It's one of the honors of my life. I love cooking on TV. I love hearing the feedback. I love going in there and having people email me and ask questions. It's just, it's fun. And his peanut butter cobbler recipe was featured on the Food Network show Carnival Eats. That was kind of a big deal. I mean, it was... uh, I don't like I got paid for it, but it was a lot of exposure and it was really fun. Head over to ChefJamesKJones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. CrossFit Mophobia is owned and operated by Hayden Setzer. Hayden has a degree in exercise science and wellness with a minor in coaching. She is CrossFit Level 2 certified and Precision Nutrition Certified. CrossFit Mophobia is located at 222 Decatur Highway in Gardendale, Alabama. Email CrossFitMophobiaInfo at gmail.com or call or text 256-303-1873. Or you can look up everything she does on Facebook and Instagram. CrossFit Mophobia. Hey guys, and happy new year. Well, happy 2022, guys. It's a new year. We're on a new adventure. And we are excited to tell you about our YouTube channel that went live on January 1st, 2022. Look up Cooking with Chef James K. Jones. Haley, I'm so excited about this one. I'm really taking people into my kitchen, actually into my basement. <laughs> now, that pimento cheese that all you guys wanted over the Christmas and even now, the recipe is on that YouTube channel, so definitely go check it out. You love it. Go check it out. Tell your friends and get you some them good recipes. And subscribe so you'll never miss an update. Look up Cooking with Chef James K. Jones and subscribe so that you'll never miss an update. Start the year off right with Team Jones Workshop. This is something I am personally most excited about. They last about an hour and you'll get an individualized assessment for each team member. Our focuses include how to set goals, what kind of goals to set, and the best ways to motivate your people individually. To book us, email Haley at teamjones.co not .com. It's Haley at teamjones.co. Head over to teamjones.co slash shop for unique gift ideas, cooking guides, merch, and more. And for more of our content, download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions, but all levels have this one cool feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms, and they're completely free from ads. But there's way more to it than that. There's a specialized feed for all subscribers. Peaks behind the scenes, exclusive bonus content, downloads, and more. Or head over to teamjones.co slash podcast and click the Become a Patron button. Please support our sponsors. They are helping us provide this platform for free, and we can personally speak to each and every one of them. Other ways you can support us is to like and share the podcast episodes, leave a rating and review, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. We will get in touch and consider whether or not it's a good fit. To schedule us for your podcast or to be considered as a guest on our platforms, contact us by heading over to teamjones.co and clicking the Join Forces button. Thank you guys for your support, and again, thank you for being a part of our story. Well, hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Straight Out of Prison podcast. We're going to be doing something a little bit different in January, but in that, what I want to do is I want a season where I put the 12 keys on the Straight Out of Prison podcast. So season five will be coming soon, but in the meantime, I'm going to put up as season six, 
these 12 keys to life after prison and just see what happens with that. It really is part of my story. It's part of how I got from where I was to where I needed to be. And I hope you enjoy it. I'm probably going to be dropping two or three of those a week. We are going to give to you, we're calling them the 12 keys. I know James doesn't like to call it the 12 keys, but it's basically 12 things that he talked about through the process so far in the past seasons of things that he had to walk through when coming out of prison, even still in prison, and the things that got him out and just kind of gotten him and us to where we are today. So in January, you were going to be unpacking those keys. And I love it because we've called it in the past a teaching companion to the Straight Out of Prison podcast, but it really is just referencing back to the podcast that you've heard so far and just unpacking some of these really valuable, in my opinion, truths. So I'm excited for you guys to hear them, to hear what you think. They've been some of my very favorite to record because we're talking about the story, but we're also kind of making it more relevant and practical things for all of us really in our lives today. Where do we go from here, Haley? Okay, so I'm super excited to be a part of this podcast because originally the vision, I guess, was for just you to do it on your own. For me to do it by myself. Like you said, as a teaching companion, Mm -hmm. referencing our original Straight Out of Prison podcast, but kind of pulling out the tools that you used during that process. Yes. Yes. So narrowing the gap, this is a teaching companion. But what happened when I did it by myself? You sucked. <laughs> no, not really. No, Actually, I, I thought you were pretty good. I didn't like it. I didn't feel like it was hitting home. I didn't feel like it was, there was some dynamic that was missing that we have between us that I, that's just good, that people talk about. And it wasn't just me that sucked because you were going to do a spinoff and do like a woman's podcast. Yeah. And we taped one of those on for real, real. And you kind of sucked too. I did not <laughs> suck. <laughs> Yeah, I Neither one of us suck, but I, like you said, I do think just in general, when you have two people at the table yeah. talking about it, you bring in two different perspectives, mm-hmm. um, two different vantage points, and it just makes the conversation richer. Yeah. Is it probably a good way to put it? And then I also had uh, Dalton, the guy that uh, does our sound editing, he said, podcast should be a conversation is why I'm they're interesting. That's why you listen to them. Right. But he said, if you'll go listen to other people that are just single single podcasts, it sounds like they're reading bullet points off of a piece of paper. So I was like, ooh, that's a burn. <laughs> like, yeah. I, don't, I don't need that. It's very hard not to be that way, though, when it's just you in yeah. front of a microphone. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's summarize what this is, what this series is going to be about. So Nairing the Gap, this came about after we recorded about two or three seasons of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of feedback, a lot of uh, just people reaching out, wanting to know, well, there there has to be more. And I share the stories. So if you want to just hear my story, listen to the Straight Out of Prison podcast. But this one is more taking the tools out and the things that I learned during that time that helped me get from where I was to, to where I wanted to be or where God wanted me to be, to get to the plan. Right. And I think it's noteworthy to mention, too, that in the process of recording the podcast, we had a mentor come on board Mm -hmm. and shine light on. She said, "Okay, well, you have these 
keys that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And we do do coaching, business coaching and personal coaching. And she has the question, why aren't you using these keys (laughs) as your main tool and curriculum? And it was so funny because it was such an obvious fit and it Mm -hmm. made so much sense. But it's just a perfect example, kind of like what we just spoke to. When you bring someone else in that has a different, you know, different set of eyes on it, that can bring out things that seem so obvious that you didn't see because we're just in it. We're in the nitty gritty of Mm -hmm. it all. So I do think that that was also just kind of a a turning point of realizing that these keys Mm -hmm. were, are just such an incredible tool, not just for you when you're coming out of prison, but we've used these now for years in very different settings with a very different demographic of people. And we'll get into some of that towards the end of this episode. So I love the story about how these, what we call now keys kind of came to be and came about. So Mm -hmm. tell us that story. Well, we probably, we probably need to go back to when I was first arrested. You know, you can go back to season one, episode two of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. It's called Arrested. Mm-hmm. After I was arrested, and then I spent a year in the county jail. And that was a brutal time, a brutal experience. Um, just, you know, feeling like your life was over and not knowing. Because in the beginning, I was looking at life in prison because of the crimes that we committed. Being in the county jail or just being in prison in general, you don't show weakness by showing emotion. And you learn that quick, like people will take advantage of you. And so in some ways, it's hard to process the stuff that you're going through. Like later on, when I would get in prison, you get a little more alone time in prison. Um, But in the county jail, you're always surrounded by people. You're always surrounded by other officers. And, you know, it's just a a hub of activity. So that's one of the things I think I wouldn't think about unless, you know, you brought you bring it up like you do now that you're constantly surrounded by people. You never have any alone time Mm -mm. unless you're like in solitary confinement or something like that. Right. But you don't want to. That's only if you're a disciplinary problem or you get in trouble. Yeah. And that's that's hard time to do that. Mm -hmm. But uh, in 1993, I had been in the county jail about nine months. I spent six months in the Jefferson County Jail in Monticello, Florida. And then I was transferred to the Bay County Jail in Panama City, Florida. And when you went to court, you had to go on transfer. And it's an ordeal because they had to chain you up and, you know, security risks and just all kind of things that happen when they take you to court. So you didn't usually go solo. Mm-hmm. Like when they were taking you to court, they would take everybody. Like yeah. it'd be a big, and you'd probably be there all day because mm-hmm. they just wanted to, to move you one time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, for some reason, I had a, a court date, and when I got down to the holding cell, I was the only one there, and that was odd because usually they do you in groups. But they took me to court. They brought me back, and I was sitting in the holding cell in the basement of the Bay County Jail by myself, and it was really the first time in like nine months that I'd really been by myself where I could process. And I had a breakdown, just a, just a bitter, you know, crying. And, you know, how did I get here? You know, what happened, what happened to my life? Like, this is like August, September of 1993. Just the year before that, I was looking at going to culinary school and being on cruise ships and working in motels and, you know, (laughs) But how did I get here? I feel like I know. I mean, obviously, I've never been to prison, so that I can only imagine how 
hard and just like reality that hits yeah. home because I thought that for myself, you know, in other scenarios, like how, how did I get here? <laughs> what just happened? Yes. But in that situation, it's definitely more extreme. It was brutal. Yeah. But, and it was just bitter regret, you know, and right. there's nothing I could do about it. I right. had to, and my uncle told me, you know, you did this, you, you got to, if you're going to dance, you got to pay the fiddler. Right. So mm-hmm. figure it out. But if you fast forward exactly almost 10 years from that time in that jail cell was 2003. The time that you had the breakdown. Yeah. And how did this happen? Yeah. And I'm asking myself, how did I get here? Right, right. How did I get here? If you fast forward 10 years to 2003, so one decade, I was, you know, I was going to Steve's church. I was involved in ministry. I was working at Leonardo's. I was rocking and rolling. Um, I just bought my first house. I just had just bought a new truck. You know, everything, it was like everything was just going well. Mm-hmm. And... There was a guy that was involved in my church. I didn't really know him, know him, but he was like somebody you see, somebody you know. And he he did uh, some kind of event thing where he did events, and he asked if he could borrow some of my catering equipment. Anyways, this guy, when he came, you know, I met him. Uh, I think I gave him something to drink, just, you know, making small talk, just chat. You know, I'm not super social and warm with people that I don't know. Yes, I know. (laughs) I mean, I'm better now than I've ever been, but back in those days, I just... I say you're a little socially awkward. Oh, yeah. Which you are. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I've accepted that. Right. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) I've accepted that fact. But uh, it was just me and him. Lifted up the garage, was getting the stuff out, was helping him load up. And he just was like, kept looking around, looking around. And he said, uh, James, when did you get out of prison? And I said, uh, 1999. And he said, that was just a little over three years ago. And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, James, how did you get here? <laughs> so I was like, uh, in my car, <laughs> in my truck. And uh, he was like, no, like, because he had worked with guys coming out of prison in his business some. Yeah. And he was like, most most guys coming out of prison, like, three years in, there's some of them are still in the halfway house. And so I said, well, you know, Jesus. <laughs> but he was, like, dumbfounded, like, how did you get here? And he wasn't just talking about stuff, like a new house or a new car. I was like, I was involved in a lot of stuff. Like, I was doing a lot uh, I was involved in prison ministry, doing ministry stuff. and But I do think the house and the car... And business. The house and the car is a tangible yeah. example of how far you'd come, yeah. I guess. And like, you know, like he said, you've only been out three years. Mm-hmm. So f- it's funny. I mean, I know that's why you said it, but that's the exact same question that you had asked yourself. Yes. How did I get here 10 years ago? So and, in, in 1993, I was saying, how did I get here? You know, in a bitter. And now he's asking... James, how did you get here? But it's more like, this, this is incredible. And, you know, I was like, well, you know, Jesus, <laughs> you know, Jesus. And then, but he kept like carrying on about it. And I was like, I mean, it was Jesus plus the things that I learned that Jesus taught me during the process. So, Well, okay, let me interject something here because I feel like I know you probably better than anybody, right? So I know the good, the bad, the ugly. So I do know the bad things. But something that is remarkable about you, and I think this is what he was speaking to just in general, is your ability to... Like, keep moving, keep the ball moving forward. I guess it's discipline. I mean, I know your favorite quote, vision without action is merely a dream. Action without vision is merely the passing of time. Vision accompanied 
with action can change, change the world. That world. But I feel like your strength is that action piece. And you were able to kind of receive the vision, had a vision, know, knew what you wanted to do and go for, what he wanted you to yeah. do and go for. But you really brought action to the table and were willing to do the work mm-hmm. consistently day in, day out, even when you felt like it wasn't accomplishing anything to keep moving forward. And I think that was a result of that. Yeah. Well, what he said was, I know plenty of guys that have Jesus. Right. I said, well, yeah, I mean, that's just where you start. We'll be right back. Head over to our YouTube channel for recipes, podcasts, and now we're even live streaming stuff to give you guys real glimpses into our daily lives. Yikes. You'll also be able to see the podcast behind the scenes and unedited live streams. We've added the first five seasons of the Straight Out of Prison podcast, and even if you've listened to all of them, check out the video format to see pictures, behind the scenes, and a whole lot more. And while you're there, please hit the subscribe button. It won't cost you anything, but it does help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience. Look up Chef James K. Jones on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a recipe or a podcast. For exclusive content, download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions, but all levels have one feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms, and they're completely free from ads. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. Isn't that true, though, for like across the board? I think we know like believers in Jesus, they pray and that's great. And, you know, mm-hmm. we believe that, too. Yeah. But a lot of times, especially in this Bible pelt, that's what's missing is the actual kind of work and consistency in doing what we need to do. Yeah. To grow. Well. And evolve. The reason why I call these what the season one of the Narrow the Gap podcast is going to be about the 12 keys to life after whatever you need to be free from. Right. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But the reason why I call them keys is because a key is something that only works if you use it in the right lock. Does that make sense? Yeah. For example, I have my papa's keys. My papa was my papa royal. That's my great grandfather. Mm-hmm. He's my granny's daddy. And the reason why I have his keys is because my granny always kept his keys. That was her daddy's keys. And it was just that was one thing when she went to heaven. It's like, I'm I'm having Papa's keys. Yeah. <laughs> and I still have them. And it's kind of ironic. Now I have a son named Royal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's this big collection of keys. Some of them are antique. Some of them are like this funny looking blue green. Just keys that you don't see nowadays. Right. And it's neat. And I keep them on a shelf in our office where our library is. But they don't have a function. They're, they're keys. But they don't go to anything, or if they do go to anything, I don't know what they are. Right. <laughs> so just the sentimental value is the only reason I have those keys. But it it's kind of like what we do in our modern technology, especially with podcasts and stuff like this. We consume information, information, information. Yeah, that's so true. Information overload. We're consuming. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it that way. So-and-so said this. Let's do this, 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 this. And we get so bogged down with that is that we end up with all these keys, but we don't know how to use them. <laughs> 
Like we don't narrow the gap to get from where we are to where we want to be by having overloads of information. It's by knowing the key, how to put it in the door and how to walk through the door. Right. So that was the, I guess the difference maker for this was what I'm going to share in season one was not anything that I made up. It's not anything that I got out of a book or, you know, somebody told me. These were just steps that I walked through yeah, to get me from where I was to where I needed to be. And I still continue, you know, there's somewhere else I need to be now. So I'm still using those keys to this day. But after he said that, I had gotten a place in 2003 where I was so busy with work. You know, I was working at Leonardo's. We completely transformed the restaurant business, rocking and rolling. We started a banquet business, then we started a catering business, and now we're just busy. So (laughs) he actually caused me to feel a little almost guilty by asking me that, that his questions really bugged me for about two weeks after that. Why did it make you feel guilty? Because I felt like I should be giving back somehow. Like Mm -hmm. I should be like trying to share that with other people. Yeah. And, you know, I would do things, you know, I had Steve asked me to teach the adult Sunday school class at his church. And, you know, I did that and really enjoyed that was helping people. I felt like, but it was the guys that were in prison that I felt like they need to know, you know, that they can make it. And, the problem with doing prison ministry is it's it's hard. It's not it's not like you just go on Monday nights and run in there and run out. You know, if you're going to go inside of a prison and be a part of being a volunteer, for me, like going to Donaldson, it takes an hour to get there. It takes an hour to get back, so that's two hours. Once you're in there, it might take you an hour or two to get in. You get to do your class or whatever you're doing. It might you might be stuck there for two or three hours afterwards if they can't clear account you're stuck. So it is a huge like time commitment, a huge uh, energy commitment. Not to I mean you didn't even mention though uh, you mentioned all the time commitment, but the actual yeah. relationship building which takes mm-hmm. energy and emotion. I mean and time yeah. as well that you're actually trying to be in relationship with these guys yeah. or gals. So it's yeah. a lot. And I did, I mean, I still wrote letters. I supported, I had connections. I went in for like big events. You know, I did a lot of speaking engagements and stuff during that time. If they asked me to, I would do it, but I wasn't doing it like regular. I think it was, it was three or four months after I got out of prison. They asked me to come back. I was back in prison, you know, encouraging the guys and doing the prison that I came from. Right. But I realized somewhere during that process, how do these people do this? Like, I I don't have time. Like, I'm trying to work and do all the things. I don't know if it was an epiphany or light bulb moment. I realized most of these guys doing prison ministry are retired. Right. (laughs) Like, they've already made their money. They've raised their family. Or they work for a church that's paying their salary for them to come in and do that. So I just kind of stopped doing that. I I just realized that... I don't have time for it, and this is not what I'm supposed to be doing, so I'm not going to be doing that. But after this conversation in 2003, it it just convicted me that I needed to do more, do more, find a way to help. Yeah. So what did you do with that, then that conviction or, you know, from that point that he was asking those questions was kind of blown away? Like, how did you get here? (laughs) Well, I tried to share with him and, you know, I tried to, I would try to share with people and. I had this thing where I would write out like lessons and stuff that I did for Sunday school classes. And I started working with guys at Shepherd's Fold coming out of prison. I did a lot of that stuff. Which is a halfway house. Halfway, It was the halfway house that I was at. Oh, okay. 
but honestly, you know, I got again. This life happens. You get busy, and but looking back on it now, it was just the timing. I wasn't supposed to do it then. Fast forward to 2009, I was actually leading a meeting that Steve was a part of, and he came and grabbed the mic from me, which, you know, I'm, I'm awkward when I'm talking in front of people, which, right. which I already, you know, don't, don't do that. Right. But it was September 2009, and he came and grabbed the mic, and he said, we need to celebrate James. He just reached a huge milestone in his life. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like I did? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know what he was talking about. Yeah. And he said, he, James is, September of 2009, James has been out of prison for 10 years. And he was like wanting to make it a big deal. And people were hollering and carrying on. And I was embarrassed. And I was like, Steve, it's not a big deal. And he said, James, it is a big deal. Most people go back to prison within a year. So you, we're going to celebrate you. And you know, but at that time, he was my pastor. And he had more influence over me. And... Again, I had that same feeling of, I don't know if it was guilt then or if it was conviction. You know, I just felt like I need to be helping people more than what I'm helping people. And, you know, at this time, I'd started my own business. I got Kairos Cafe. That, through my staff and the people that I hired, I I did help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I had a friend, Dave Booker, who was a chaplain's assistant at Donaldson Correctional Facility, where I came from, where I lived. (laughs) He... uh, regularly. He also, we ran in a lot of the same circles. He regularly, almost every time I saw him, would ask me, hey, James, what do you think about coming out and teaching a life after prison class to the guys? And I would always tell him, yeah, I'm too busy. I'm too this. I'm too that. And probably for three or four years, he hounded me about it. And he was like, you know, we have these volunteers that come in and teach it, but you actually walk through the steps. Like they would get so much more from you than they would from other people. And after that episode in 2009... Where Steve celebrated 10 years. Yeah, and I, I didn't really... I guess at the time, I didn't see the significance of it. I'm just doing my thing. I'm rocking and rolling, doing my thing. Um, I called him and said, I, I think I need to come teach a class. I mean, I'll do, but I had conditions. Okay, here's the condition. Of course you did. I'll do it this one time. This is so you. The I'll way. do it one time. I'll do it, but... I'll do it one time. Like, yeah. you give me a, a, a set schedule... And so we, he normally did a 12-week class for teaching life after prison. So I said, I'll do 12 weeks, but I'm not going to do any more than 12 weeks. Don't try to suck me in for longer. Well, no, that's what they do. <laughs> and it, when they suck you in, and then they want you to be there forever. I feel like that's true for so many things in organizations. That's like true. when you have people coming to do stuff and Volunteers. you see they're good at it, you're like, yeah. you, of course you try to keep them. So, so I said yes. Okay. We, there was a book that's called Life After Prison. It's up in my library now. You've seen it. I've seen it, yeah. It was the book that Steve used with me when I was getting ready to come out of prison, a life after prison class I went through with him. And it's a very good material, very well written, very practical, um, just good stuff. And that was what Dave used at Donaldson. That was what I was supposed to teach. But the night before I was getting ready to go in, I was you know brushing up on the chapters, and it just struck me. I don't need to teach this textbook stuff because this is written by, it was actually a man that was a volunteer that had walked alongside thousands of guys coming out of prison. That was his experience and how he wrote the book. But I was like, just struck. I just knew I need to tell my story. And I can, you know, allude to some of the things that I learned from this book, but I need to do my story. And I, it was like a conviction. I felt like Jesus was telling me to do it. 
But again, here I am. By this time, it's 2010. I'm in the thick of business with Kairos and everything's just, I'm busy all the time. I'm working 14, 15 hours a day. And I'm thinking, how can I sit down and do that? And there's one thing I know about you, too, is that you, when there is a plan, you do not like to deviate from the plan. <laughs> no. So, like, if there was a plan with this book, I mean, it would be, I think, your natural course just to, like, execute the plan. Yeah, like, here's the book. a book. I'm going to work through it. I'm going to do what I said. Yeah. So the fact that you changed gears on that and wanted to kind of deviate from that tells me that it was obviously... Not you. <laughs> well, it wasn't even just that. It was the night before. Right. So I oh, was going wow. in the next day. Sounds like my. It sounds like me. <laughs> so I, I went. I mean, I knew how to write lessons. I'd been by that time. I'd been teaching. I started off teaching adult Sunday school for Steve, and then I'd been teaching classes at Shepherd's Fold, and then I'd been teaching classes for UAB Task. Mm-hmm. That's uh, where Steve works. It's just a program to divert people from going to prison. You know, through counseling and classes and drug testing and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I had, you know, seven, eight years under my belt of that. And then, you know, when I was in prison in the honor dorm, that was my job. I taught classes. Mm -hmm. So I knew I could put together something, but I'm not just going to throw something together if it's not going to be good. Right. So I sat down on my computer and I was like, Lord Jesus, I don't want to be doing all this. You know, I'm busy and this is like the worst time. And it was like, where did I start? So... The first lesson was on commitment. Like I committed to doing something else. And, you know, that was where I started. I didn't have like 12 keys written out. I didn't even have time to think and have a storyboard or anything like that. Literally every week before I went in for the next week, I would sit down and say, okay, what was the next thing? That is crazy. (laughs) And it was, you know, week one was commitment. Week two was accepting responsibility. And it was all things that you thought of that you knew you, like, faced and that had I to did, work through. That yeah. I actually walked through. Right. That made a difference later on. Mm-hmm. Um, recognizing that everything in life is a process, embracing the process, um, self-image, the way I saw myself, seeing myself the way that God sees me. I alluded to the times when I went through counseling Dealing with my inner talk, you know, the lies that I would tell myself. Mm-hmm. I call those inner vows, negative yeah. inner vows. Learning the futility of regret and self-pity and, you know, how not to stay stuck in that. Learning from failure, figuring out that nothing's going to be perfect in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, fear, one of the keys is on fear, how to push through your fear. One of the keys is on towards the end, the number 10 key is about connecting to the right people then having a strategic plan that starts with knowing yourself and then writing a vision for your future. So those were the 12 keys. And honestly, there could have been 20 of them. I don't know. But it was a 12-week class. Right. So when we got to the end of the 12 weeks, I was done. But what ended up happening through that process, when I got there, there were 29 guys signed up for that class, which blew my mind because in prison... (laughs) It's hard to get 10 people to come to a class. Oh, like really? That. See, I wouldn't oh, know yeah. that. Yeah. Well, also, Donaldson Correctional Facility is a max camp, mm-hmm. which means that 75% of the people in there ain't ever going to get out of prison. Uh, so they don't need to go through a reentry class. Right. Well, reentry means you're reentering society. Mm-hmm. So if they were coming up for parole or getting ready to have a U.S. date, they're required to go through something. And, you know, like Dave would offer this class and it, it would pass you know, check the box for what right, they had right, to do. Yeah. But there were several things you could do. There was some, um, like mental health did a class. There was, uh, was just, just a lot of stuff. Right. So you chose. Mm-hmm. 
But when I got there and there was all of those guys there, I was overwhelmed. Like, uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> but we just stuck, got in there and started going. And when we got to the end of those 12 weeks, there was a difference. And I would say all the guys there. But not only that, there were two or three guys that came out of that class that were coming up for parole. But they took the number 11 key, wrote a parole plan, got out, you know. There was one guy, I won't say his name for confidentiality, but he had been in prison three times and his life was just a mess. Yeah. Going through this process, making the plan at the end. I helped him with a parole plan. He, uh, that's been what, 11, 12 years ago. He is still alive and well, living in the Birmingham area. He's got a family. Wow. He's doing his thing. It's just exciting to watch the stuff like that. So there were a lot of results that came out of that that was different from the normal prison class that you do or life after prison or whatever they wanted to call it. So I actually went back again. You know, I told him I was only going to do one, but then I went back again. You know, I took a month or two off, but I did another 12-week class, and that class had like 50 people in it. But I realized that most of the guys that went through the first class were in that class. Ah. And so I was like, we're not going to no. There's no reason to do it again. <laughs> I gave you everything. You've already learned this once, okay? No, I mean, I gave you everything I got. And, you know, I gave you the printed lessons. You know, I made myself available for one-on-ones. So I think by the time we got to he wanted me to do it again, I said, look, I'll give you the PDF of this stuff, and you find someone else to teach it. I can't, you know, live my life in prison. That sounds harsh on it. Well, no. Okay. So. I was basically like, I will give you everything I got. You can teach it. You can do it. Whatever you want to do. So just take it and rock and roll. So obviously it was very effective in that setting. And that makes um, sense because you had walked exactly that journey. And we're talking to men that were walking that out. But the neatest thing about this to me, who... I do not have the same experience as you, you of being in prison. Yeah. Is picking up these keys. Well, let's fast forward to that. Yeah. Well, so, no, that they're just like such profound tools that I think are relevant and effective for well, let's talk anyone. about how, how that happened. Okay. I got done with that in like 2011 and you know, I passed it off. Like, take it, do whatever you want with it. You know, we even put it in notebooks for them. I started Kairos Cafe and Gardendale, so now I had two restaurants, so I was just crazy busy. And then we got married in 2013, and then I found out, guys, when you get married, your computer is not your computer anymore, because <laughs> your wife will go through everything. Well, especially if your wife doesn't have a computer. Hello. Um, <laughs> I had a laptop, but that's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, you found them, and you started going through them. And you want to tell that story? So, yeah. So I found these, I guess, the curriculum, and I just started reading through it and asked you, what is this? And you... And I called it the 12 Keys to Life After Prison. Yes. And you basically told me the story that you just told. Yeah. And, but I started reading them and I thought, wow, these are really good. I can even see how I need some of these right now yeah. in the situation that we were in with the restaurants and you know financial stuff and mm-hmm. I mean just life stuff. Yeah. And so at the time I was um, teaching a class or doing a group with a group of business women. It was about 25 <laughs> women. Um, they were all, you know, professional. They were go-getters. On some level, yeah. I was actually, when you asked me, I was embarrassed. Like, don't do that. Well, yeah. So it was it was meant to be kind of like a coaching, motivational type course. And 
I, when I read that, I was like, this would be perfect for this. <laughs> so I asked you if I could use those for the class I was doing. Yeah. And I did. I ended up, or we together, I think, ended up tweaking them a little bit. We but, changed some of the wording. Yeah, but the meat stayed the same. The yeah. keys stayed the same. And just making it more relevant and applicable to women and business. And, and, business. Mm-hmm. and I can tell you even to this day that several of the women in that group said that that was the most impactful, meaningful, um, like curriculum course that they'd ever walked through and had the most impact as far as them making changes and being able to, um, I I was blown away by that. Yeah. Cause I thought she's going to go do this and it's a little embarrassing to me. It's just what I thought at the time. Right. But then you did it and it was producing results and these were like go getters. You know, I mean, like it's really owners in and, some sense the opposite, yeah. the opposite group of people, or opposite as far as their circumstances, mm-hmm. but applying the same things, and it was just as effective. It was it was crazy, but that made me change my mind about how I thought about them. Right. But then we were out at dinner one night, and some lady came up and was just going on and on and on, and. I kind of step back because, you know, I get uncomfortable if it's somebody I don't know that just, like, comes at me. Mm-hmm. And you leaned over and said, she's in my class, like, learning your <laughs> with your prison keys. And so I warmed up, and she was just telling me how much, you know, she had some very specific, you know, this helped me with this and this and this. Yeah. But then her husband came up. And then he was like, oh, you're the guy with the sermons, the prison sermons. My <laughs> wife has gotten so much out of your sermons. I just, and prison I said, well, sermons. first off, I'm, I'm not a preacher, so I don't really have sermons. But um, that shocked me because he said he could tell a difference in her business and in just stuff that she was going through. And I was just like blown away by it. I'm still blown away by that. And I think that was the first time your eyes were opened because I feel like I saw it, you know, immediately. But your eyes were open that th- these are things that could be good across the board. Yeah, not just for coming out of prison. Yeah. And little did I know, I was coming to the end of being in business for myself, and I would use these keys in 2014 and 2015 to walk me out of that process of, mm-hmm. you know, because we were in a financial disaster. I mean, I went in prison, but I was kind of in a different kind of prison with finances and a business that was failing. And... Because you had done that, it gave, like, well, if this worked before, it can work again. Right. <laughs> so right. I actually used the keys to go through the process of, you know, coming out of that. But then in 2014, I went to work for the Foundry. It's a huge nonprofit outside of Birmingham. And my job was to lead their food service arm of that nonprofit. Right. It was a huge undertaking, but it's a huge operation. You know, we put out a 1,000 meals a day. We serve seven, eight, nine hundred people in the community every week, and it's just a lot of donations, stuff coming through there. And I was the leader of that area, but I only had like four people on staff. And then I had 25 to 30 guys that worked with me. Many of them came from the, uh, the program, the recovery program. Like, guys, it was a year long program, they had to work as part of their program. And then I had guys in the reentry program. Those were guys coming out of prison. 
I was stuck. Remember when we started? I was stuck. Like, I don't know how to encourage these guys. I know I'm supposed to be here. I know I'm supposed to help. I'm supposed to make a difference. And this is what I did with them. I, I did the keys. I started doing the keys. And it, so, yeah, I mean, you were in that role that you had there. You yeah. were, I mean, it was about having a relationship and helping them through the process of mm-hmm. recovery. But also, I think it's important to note that you needed these guys oh, yeah. on your team to be able to accomplish the task Absolutely. that they're paying you to do, which is, Yes, yeah. but it was, I couldn't figure out a way to encourage them because, you know, in business, you encourage people by giving them money. And motivate. Yeah, and yeah. they didn't get paid. This mm-hmm. was their program. Right. So you didn't get what you would get out of an employee. I right. Guess, or somebody on your team. So, But I started doing the, the keys and then specifically the number 11 key, profiling people, helping them understand themselves and helping them understand each other. Mm-hmm. And within a year, when I started there, the the food service portion of the foundry was considered like the armpit of the foundry. It was the place nobody wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You know, people wanted to work in the thrift store, the auto center, and the office. And in just over a year, it had transformed into from being the armpit of the foundry to being the Cadillac of the foundry. Everybody wanted to work in food service, and because it was because we were giving them tools. I was going to say, so what did you credit to that? The, the keys, like what we were teaching. We were doing... So everybody went through the 12 keys. Um, it was a process. You know, they had their own stuff. They were going through counseling, and they had all kinds of stuff, but this was just on top of that. And it, was, I started it like as a, I called it an employment readiness program. Mm-hmm. Like, you're here. You got to be here eight hours a day, five, six days a week. Let's learn some stuff while we're here instead of just passing time. Right. And that's what we started doing. And, you know, that morphed into... All kind of stuff that happened after that. Right. But it was uh, incredible, and it was simply these simple keys that I was going through with these guys that made a huge difference. But it's not, um, they're not nothing in here is complicated. Nothing I'm going to share is complicated or deep or booty booty. It's just simple stuff. I mean, you just. It's simple, but it's hard be, in terms of, you know, hard to really apply and apply yeah. yourself and commit to mm-hmm. kind of taking a good look at it and doing what you need to do to embrace the process. Yeah. And at the foundry, the the 12 keys of life after prison, they had a huge reentry arm, which was guys coming out of prison. Probably five or 600 guys a year would come through there. We ended up through this process. We made that their curriculum. Mm-hmm. Like this is what... This is what they go through. This is what they learn. Um, I taught other, you know, made a notebook. Same thing I did before. Right. But uh, so here we are in 2020, starting a podcast that we didn't even, I don't even know how we We st- didn't see that one coming. No, I didn't, <laughs> that was not even on my radar. It was never part of our plan from but the beginning. But when we started the Straight Out of Prison podcast, I'd never even listened to a podcast. Yeah, same. <laughs> I mean, you know. It's crazy. Okay, so bottom line. Bottom line, we started the Narrowing the Gap podcast to serve as a companion to the Straight Out of Prison podcast for people that want to go deeper. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you want to hear my story or our story, listen to Straight Out of Prison podcast. If you listen to that and you get inspired, come over here, listen to Narrowing the Gap and take some of these keys and rock and roll. Yeah. But it's not, we're not going to stop with the 12 keys. I'm going to do the 12 keys in season one and then season two, we're just going to keep rocking and rolling with this thing. Yeah. So. So basically, to close up this episode, we want to ask people, why should you listen? Well, some people don't care, and that's okay. But also, (laughs) (laughs) 
But also, I mean, if you're anything like us, I mm-hmm. think that there is probably something, which is true for us still today as we sit here talking, that there's something in our life that we want to improve, that we want to narrow the gap yeah. from where we are to where we want to be, whether it be in finances in our marriage or maybe some goals we have for business or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case, it could be different relationship with your family. But I feel like if everyone's honest, there is one area where you know and can see and have a desire to do something different and to be better and for it to be healthier. Or you might find yourself going through like a divorce or a career change or just a tragic situation or even like an unhealthy relationship. And you might find yourself like I did in that jail cell where you get by yourself and it not that dramatic, but, you know, how did I get here? Yeah. You know, what happened to my life? How yeah. did I get here? And if you found yourself there, accept I'm here, but why? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's some place on the other side that God wants us to be. His plan is always good. He wants us to have good, successful lives. He wants to, he wants to see us rise. That I is believe his plan. that. Yeah. But there's a gap in between, and that's why we call this narrowing the gap, because the gap is... You're here where you are, but you want to be somewhere else and you know and you have the potential and you just know it in your gut that there's somewhere else you should be, you should be something else you should be doing, a different life. And the middle, getting from where you are to where you want to be is the gap. But these keys, they can narrow that gap if you'll do them. And I can say that even we're going to unpack this more in the next few episodes, but there's one area in my life that I can think of right now that you're talking that I really want to, again, pl- apply some of these keys and narrow the gap. Narrow the gap. Yep. Well, don't leave it open ended. Well, the- I just said we're going to talk about it in the next couple episodes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so if you're inspired by our story or my story, the Straight Out of Prison podcast, Learned this a long time ago from Dave Ramsey. Inspiration without instruction is useless. And basically what he was saying, you can hear a story, you can get inspired, you can get the goosebumps, you can get excited. But if it doesn't cause you to take a next step and do something else, then it was really useless. I love that. And that's really the bottom line to all the keys. It's, you know, facing myself, being self-aware, facing reality, and picking the key up and then the door and keeping going. Yeah. Not only do I think these can help you, people that are listening to this, these can help you, but I also believe that you will take these and pass them on to other people. Absolutely. We're really excited. That's the goal. Yeah. We're really excited to take this journey with you and to help you narrow the gap as we continue to narrow the gap. Yes, absolutely. Narrow the gap in our lives. In our lives. In our business, in our family, in our finances, in our emotions, in our everything all the circles of life our physical bodies oh, so she, she's alluding to what she wants to talk about <laughs> yeah which is um, which is everybody struggles well not yeah. everybody but I know I'm not alone a large portion of the population does that yeah absolutely alright guys well thanks for tuning in um, I'm excited about this because just again I did this one time by myself and I can already tell the dynamic is different yeah you pull stuff out of me
Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you like what you've heard, you can subscribe to all of our podcasts on Apple, Google, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeart, or really just about anywhere you enjoy listening to podcasts. Most of you know about the Straight Out of Prison podcast, and we want you to know we've added two new platforms. The For Real Real, where we talk about real life, things you would never see on a highlight reel. Things that might make you blush and might make you question some things that you never thought about. Unpack the week's hot button issues, current events. Along with the weekly Jamesism and Haleyism. Now you have to tune in to find out what that means. <laughs> tune in to find out what that means. And there in the gap where I'm sharing with Haley the lessons I learned in getting from where I was to where I was supposed to be. Narrowing the Gap is a teaching companion to the Straight Out of Prison podcast where he really digs into some of the profound lessons that he learned and had to walk out in his journey in prison and coming out of prison. Or download the Patreon app and you can get all of our content early and ad-free. Straight Out of Prison podcast, the For Real Real, and There in the Gap. Listen on Apple, Google, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. Other ways you can support us is to like and share the episodes of the podcast, leave us a rating and a review, and support our sponsors. They help us provide this platform for free. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. And again, thank you guys for being a part of our story. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. We've redesigned our media kit with some exciting new details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email me, Haley, Haley at teamjones.co. That's not .com. The best way to support us is by telling your friends and family about the podcast. Other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast and giving us a review. Well, as long as you think we did good. <laughs> or you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and more. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of home and commercial services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. Like, you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to, obviously, his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. 
Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If, if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at hollandhcs.com. You can look up Holland Home and Commercial Services on Instagram for daily tips and more. Or you can check out their website, hollandhcs.com. We have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast, Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOES. T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Head over to chefjameskjones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. 